You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Guten Morgen und herzlich willkommen auf den Anarchaeologist Podcast. Is the podcast in German? I can't remember. Uh, is podcast the same? It's a podcast in German <laughs> as well, yeah. And today I have a wonderful guest with me. I'm speaking to the man behind Archaeology in 3D on Twitter, Mr. Ike Jagemann, who is a student at Berlin University. Today we're talking about digital archaeology. And I mean digital archaeology because I do have to define this. Uh, digital archaeology in the sense of digitizing archaeology, because for some reason digital archaeology seems to apply to a lot of different things. So today we are talking about transforming archaeological artifacts and sites and structures into the digital world. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what what are you studying at the moment? <laughs> um, yeah, it's nice to be here. I'm studying um, at Berlin University, um, and I'm just about to start my uh, writing my master's thesis. And I'm also working at a freelance uh, archaeology bureau at uh, Brandenburg, a little city maybe 50 kilometers away from Berlin. And I'm using there these methods to document our trenches and features and findings. So are you using any complicated technology to do this, or is it something that you think other people can pick up easily? Uh, it's. I think it's very easily it's because you just have to take these pictures and then you have to uh, use this program and it's um, pretty intuitive right now. Uh, so I think everyone can do it after maybe a week or so learning the stuff. I have to. I have to ask: Is it as complicated as GIS? No, no. Okay. It's definitely not as complicated. Okay, we're safe, guys. We're safe. <laughs> and obviously, um, you you mentioned before we started talking, you mentioned you use uh, propriety software. Uh, what's the software called? Uh, the software call is called Agisoft, and it's um, from Russia. It's right now out of the beta. It's uh, finished its beta, I think, a year ago. Um, maybe two years I'm using this software. Not so sure. So I would say you're kind of like an expert, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm playing with, uh, with that kind of stuff for a long time, so yeah. Maybe. We'll call you an expert, okay? We'll call you an expert. That's that's okay. We, we, we're not shy to say that on this show. Don't worry. No, I'm kidding. Um, so basically, that's that's really, really, really interesting. So, so what kind of stuff do you digitize? I mean, I said earlier, you know, all kind of artifacts and features, but can you take us through some of the things that you've recently uh, digitize or take photos of? So, um, because we are using it at our excavations on the street, mm-hmm. uh, at the bureau, I'm um, digitizing trenches and uh, profiles, uh, so normal features on an excavation. And at home, I digitize findings from uh, our university. Right now, I'm getting thousands of pictures from findings to use them in my master's thesis. But um, I also did some stuff with finds from Brandenburg. And I've just tried to uh, digitize whole buildings like church and um, a house that's currently uh, what was turned down to the ground. Uh, so it's lost now. But um, with the 3D models, I think some historian who would like to look at the faces of the building should be fine with the pictures. 
And obviously, that's a lot of data to work with. I mean, you're talking about lots and lots and lots of pictures. So, I mean, it, it would be difficult for, like, what kind of record do you build up with this digital stuff? I mean, is it one single 3D file or is it kind of a set of collection of pictures? W what happens with these 3D objects? Oh. So, um, for example, um, you, took, you took a church or a freestanding building and when you go uh, around with your camera and took as many photos as you like, um, there's uh, the first thing uh, you have. It's uh, best to use um, un uncompressed photos uh, like TIFF uh, and RAW. So you have about maybe 100 photos. Uh, each is 100 megabyte. Uh, you have a yeah, great ow, amount of data. Ow, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, and after yeah. this... <laughs> yeah. And after this, you have to uh, align the photos mm -hmm. uh, from the program. So you get a project file from um, Agisoft mm -hmm. with all the pound, uh, point clouds and meshes and textures in it. But um, to use them furthermore for maybe rendering or analyzing the pound, uh, point clouds, you have to export them as well. Uh, and each time you process a step further, the data gets bigger. Um, yeah, so you have to calculate with very high... <laughs> I mean that that's crazy. So you must have the church has about um, 600 megabyte for uh, only the point cloud, and the texture texture is about uh, 40 megabyte. Um, so it's yeah, you have to buy uh, enough space on uh, yeah hard disks. So do you have like an army? Do you have like do you have like an army of hard disks or something like like a big huge server rack or something? Because I mean like the, okay, 640 meg for one like site is not too bad, but I'm assuming I'm assuming that that you've got quite a few things. So I mean, that's that's massive. What happens if uh, one of your hard disks fails, uh, or you going um, to go raid? I will kill myself, maybe. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I have uh, several hard disks lying around here. Uh, I have no idea how to uh, use all the data for my master's thesis. I think I will get uh, a server or something like this. Um, anything with a backup device. But um, right now it's working with um, external hard drive. Uh, and they are cheap like never before. So um, you can get a terabyte for about uh, 50 euros. So that's not the problem, I think. Yeah, but obviously, um, then it comes down to your actual computer equipment because handling that level of memory um, can be taxing on some computers. I mean, I'm 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 assuming you have your own little workstation. You know, you don't use one of those old university computers. I don't know. I don't know. University computers always seem to be, well, they seem to be a bit on the old side. I don't know about how it is in Germany, but uh, yeah, here they're they not. They're not the best of computers. Um, no, I have a pretty normal uh, computer. It's um, like mid-range from uh, the processing power um, because uh, I want to show my master's thesis that everyone can do it. So uh, my PC is about two years old, three years old, and it's uh, not the finest thing in the world. It's no workstation with uh, maybe eight cores uh, and 100 uh, gigabyte of RAM or something like this. Uh, the only thing that's uh, really important is uh, the SSD I have put in it, but uh, only for processing uh, the meshes afterwards. The, that really uh, speed things up. But yeah, normally I take the model, uh, the photos, go home, and process them overnight. So the computer is uh, processing the files, and I sleep <laughs> because it could take a while sometimes. No, of course. And, uh, well, I think it's great that, you know, uh, it is accessible to everyone. I mean, 
have you always had an interest in digitizing archaeology or where did your interest with archaeology start? Um, in Germany, you have to, you had to do uh, something like a military service. Um, but I was a punk at that time <laughs> in my life, um, so I don't want to go to the military. Uh, <laughs> Once a punk, <laughs> always a punk. Yeah. Would that make you a punk archaeologist? <laughs> no, I don't have red hair anymore. So. Oh. Okay, show's over. Right, guys, uh, he's not a punk the... archaeologist. I want to talk to him. All right, bye. <laughs> no, go on, sorry. Um, so, we have, so you have to do some social service or something like this with um, mostly old people. Uh, but uh, there was an opportunity at uh, my hometown to do it um, at an archaeology department of our uh, city, uh, state mm -hmm. department. So I did it, and um, I was excavating for maybe one and a half year with these people, and they showed me everything from uh, digging to uh, what is a find, what's nothing, what is a layer in the sand. Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing, and after that I started studying. So it was pretty much luck. And there I also uh, tried the first 3D tools at AutoCAD. <laughs> ah, okay. So before you did your Zivildienst, uh, yeah. like, you had no no archaeology interest or as a child i um i wanted to become a uh, paleontologist so yeah okay oh same here <laughs> like dinosaurs and stuff but um uh, uh, yeah yep. i think i wanted always to be an archaeologist so um there were opportunities to do it and i become very lucky <laughs> that's good i'm glad you became lucky because now i'm talking to you about your luck of course now, obviously, um, obviously, you know, digital archaeology is something very new to a lot of people. And, I mean, do you find that people think it's a bit too complicated, you know? Or how, how do you think archaeology in, in the near future will become? Will it become more digital? And how are we going to, how are we going to deal with old records that we have? Do we digitize everything or just new stuff? What do you think? Since my uh, civilians, I'm digitizing for uh, bureaus. They are all drawings of uh, excavations to um, get whole plans of uh, the situations. So we are digitizing um, every old thing right now uh, we, via uh, computer-aided designs. Um, but I think it will get more and more digital uh, methods right on the excavation. But um, there will always be uh, the drawing of uh, scribbles from trenches, um, what feature is more grainy? Um, you can't uh, digitize the soil. You, you can draw. Maybe this sand is this and this is this. But um, if it's um, the same color, you will not have it in uh, your 3D model. So it will be lost. So you have to write these things down. You have to um, make sketches of things. Um, so this part will never leave. But uh, the whole drawing of uh, trenches and features and surfaces will become less important over the years. And what do you think will take their place? Like, instead of drawing pictures, what do you think archaeology should be doing? Um, I don't know. Um, in England, if you, you do it as well. But um, more and more firms here uh, at Germany are using uh, the total station to uh, document their features. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, plenty of loss of information because they only get... Um, yeah, the shape, and that's it. The shape and height. 
but no color, no texture, nothing uh, like this. Um, and I think the rest will be documented via photographs or 3D models. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the big things about recording data is that you obviously can't record absolutely everything because, you know, what's the point in, you know, there's some information you don't really need to record. But that's information that's not important to us now in the present. What about information that we lose that may be used in the future? What about that? I mean, when we're doing all this recording, you know, a lot of people kind of think, oh, well, we've got everything recorded. We've got the shape and the size looking and we've got the color and we've got everything we need. But isn't that just what we need right now? If you work outdoors um, and you um, grab a couple of archaeologists and um, show them one surface with maybe 17 post holes, um, every one of them will interpret uh, the surface differently. They will uh, mark the features differently uh, when they are not as clear, um, maybe a little uh, less visible. Um, so right now, archaeology right on the side is uh, a lot about interpretation. Um, many of my former uh, bosses uh, let us clear the surface and then they go around and just scribble around the features we have to document. Um, and with one of them I was um, also doing uh, the drawing on the PC after this and uh, there he took the old photos and said no, no, no that was not right on the uh, side. We have to do it like this, like here in the photo. I was wrong there uh, and now we do it like this. So um, right now we are not um, documenting um, very objective i think it's more like a subjective view on the things um and i think with um digital imaging and um maybe total stations we get more um data around um you get more height points um even in a 3d model you get about um, 17 million height points for your surface so you don't have to measure it anymore uh so I'm actually interested now in the uh, theoretical side, like in of archaeology in Germany. I mean, I mean, do you think we shouldn't interpret at the troll's edge, as Hodder once famously said? I mean, you know, what do you think? I don't know how it is in Germany. Actually, um, is it like how, how do people work? Yeah, just like I said, um, they look at the features and um, the things uh, the things they see, they um, mark for us to document. Um, but I think um, we should document everything on the site that we can, because um, sometimes some um, archaeologists just say, oh no, that's um, something from an animal duck, so don't document this. So it's only on the photo, not on the drawing, um, and stuff like this. Because, yeah, sometimes these animal uh, holes are post holes um, and they were undocumented. Uh, so I think it's, it would be nice to have uh, less interpretation right on the site and um, more objective drawing and documentation. Uh, well, how do you find archaeology in Germany then? You know, just generally, how are other archaeologists? I mean, here in the UK, a lot of the time, archaeologists feel a little bit undervalued and. <laughs> Well, they're a little bit underpaid. There's not a lot of money yeah, going around for archaeologists. Uh, so I think uh, it's the same in Germany. The, the same problem all around the world, um, because people like 
to visit an excavation and get this uh, warm feeling of past and um, like to hear the stories. But um, when we arrive at an excavation, because someone likes to build a house or a street or something like this, um, the people aren't friendly anymore, especially the people who live there or have to pay us for it. Because in Germany, someone who wants to build a house has to pay for uh, the excavation. Yeah, that's very similar to here as well. Any new development needs archaeological survey. Yeah. Um, and there isn't uh, enough money to document everything. Um, yeah, there is no money, there is no time to document things, um, so we have to be very fast. Uh, you have to be agile on the, uh, on the site, um, and you have to be very diplomatic with uh, the other people on the, yeah, the building site. And, like, obviously there's then a lot of solidarity between archaeologists, right? I mean, is there, a, is there a big divide between, say, archaeologists in academia and archaeologists who work commercially? I mean, obviously you've got a bit of both because you both are a student and you work for a company. So, I mean, do you think there's the divide in Germany uh, between archaeologists there? Um, when you... Uh when you study archaeology in um, Germany, um, you have to do maybe a month or so in the field uh, to become your uh, bachelor degree. Um, and you have to do it on a university excavation. And uh, university excavations are absolutely different to what we do in the field for commercial reasonings. Because you have time, you know, everything gets explained, there's nobody yelling at you, do it faster, get out of the way, uh, things like this. So um, every student who has... Uh, digging experience from the university uh, is pretty afraid of working outside the first time because they um, they get afraid on the side because people yell at them. It's uh, yeah, it's different, and I think uh, the um, excavations from universities are yeah, they are totally different to the same place year after year, and it's no no pressure to finish it. Um, so they got the time. But they have to explain everything to uh, the newbies in archaeology. So it took the time. Uh, and outside we have no time, no money, and people who become scared at the first time. But after that, they are fine, I think, most of them. Oh, well, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, and obviously, um, obviously archaeology is important because the past is important. And uh, a lot more important than people value it i think uh, especially over here i always feel as if the past is almost seen as like a leisurely thing you know if we've got the luxury of indulging about our past rather than seeing that the past is very much influencing us right now i mean how do you feel that people deal with history in germany and the past in with uh, as through the eyes as an archaeologist um that's I know that's a very complicated question. Yeah, that's a little bit, um, I don't know, uh, to say it. Uh, there are two types of uh, reasoning with the past. Um, on the one side, we have uh, big museums, like in Berlin, uh, the new museum uh, that opened a couple of years ago. Um, you have to stand there in line for about six hours to get in there. Um, and that for a year. <laughs> the first year you couldn't get in there without um, booking an online ticket for a time slot and then you have to be there and then you have to wait. <laughs> so it's it's amazing how people treat new museums. The, um, the Viking um, <clears throat> show at Berlin uh, a couple of months ago, there were thousands and thousands of people visiting it. So um, people are interested in the past, but um, 
the archaeology um, is for the most people they find it interesting but um, a little bit useless <laughs> I think so uh, they like to go in museums but they don't like the archaeology we um, get cut in uh, spendings and there are several tries to um, change the law for uh, big building projects to um, don't get uh, archaeology involved so much so um, that's always a fight wait wait like the bi- the, the the biggest developments as in the ones that can actually pay archaeologists easily and will probably you know cause the biggest amount of damage to an archaeological site uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, my um, word. Because it's only uh, a very small amount of uh, money archaeology will cost. But um, there's also... Yeah, there's, they always try to get around it. Um, so, right now we have uh, the right structures, I think. Uh, we have um, departments who have to um, overlook all these building processes. Uh, and we have a law that um, archaeology excavations have to be when there is something. But, uh, yeah, the people try to get around it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, sometimes, yeah, we started early. We don't know that nobody called you because, yeah, <laughs> the house is built. I'm sorry for this. Yeah, Seriously? We had, oh, we had this thing. And it's not only uh, private persons. It's only uh, also big building projects. So, yeah. In the UK, we're kind of obsessed with uh, the Romans um, for some reason. And we like a bit of Iron Age stuff. But other parts of history are kind of, well, they're not really talked about in archaeology. I don't know how it is in Germany. What kind of time periods do people really like in Germany? Uh, that depends um, on where you live. Yeah, uh, because um, when you go uh, to Western Germany, it's um, mostly Romans uh, and things like this. Okay. All right, I'm here with Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm, and he's going to tell us what the Art of Charm podcasts are all about. Go ahead, Jordan. Hey, sure. So thanks for the opportunity. Basically, what we do at AOC, this is the show that we wish we had 10 years ago, and I'm 34 now. So there's a lot of folks that are 20s and 30s, and we, we look at how we live our lives and the way that we do things. And it's always it's always that, if I had known, if I had only known. So. What I'm doing with The Art of Charm and what we're doing as a team here is we bring together the best minds in pretty much every industry to teach people how to crush it in life with their relationships, at work, etc. So it's like having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing all their research and testing and tough lessons, school of hard knocks or otherwise, into a curriculum. And we're very practical, which is great for your sort of scientific audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is great for networking, for uh, just learning some some personal skills that you can use on the job and uh, and for finding jobs and, and your relationships with people. Yeah. So we talk thing about things like we talk about things like body language, the way you sit, stand, walk, and talk. Networking, how to follow up with the network, how to be authentic when you're creating relationships for work. Because a lot of people think networking is like, here's my business card, give me a call when you want to buy a used car, and it's like, no, it's about giving, it's about relationships, but. Since people don't have a game plan, they kind of ignore it. And especially in your field, they're probably thinking, oh, I really hope my work stands up for itself someday and I get that promotion. And it's like, well, it's all about who you know. And you can either say, oh, it's all about who you know and I hate that. Or you can be like, thank goodness it's all about who you know because I'm never going to be the top of this industry until I, until it's too late for me to care, right? <laughs> right, right. 
All right, so go check out the Art of Charm podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts, and you can find them also on www.theartofcharm.com. Or uh, um, the uh, early medieval and high medieval parts like uh, Charles the Great, for example, uh, at Cologne. But um, here in Eastern Germany, you have uh, mostly um, Slavic archaeology or uh, Neolithics because um, yeah, maybe it's a um, problem from uh, the newer history when Germany was divided. The Eastern part yeah. only had the Slavs, uh, <laughs> the Western had the Romans, so hmm. yeah. And actually, it's quite interesting um, about, I was reading about recently about archaeology in the USSR, you know, um, talking about uh, archaeology under, you know, the communists, which was, I thought, quite interesting because there was um, somewhere in, oh, where is it? God damn it. I can't even remember now. It was either in Hungary or modern Czech Republic where they'd actually rebuilt several old buildings and reconstructed them to like what they used to be like i mean that's quite that's that's quite interesting but obviously plays into the old ideology do you think that those cold war ideologies still exist somewhere um, i think that, is that a dangerous question? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah it is <laughs> pretty much but um i think there's always um uh, ideology and archaeology um for example um i live in eastern germany um and i study here and um most of uh, the old literature that's published um, about findings here had some part of Marxism in it. So, for example, there's a um, great culture, uh, the Bildorf Gruppe. It's um, an Iron Age uh, part. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get published, the author had to get in there a percentage of Marxism and Leninism and things like this. So um, you read this, uh, this book and it's uh, pretty much awesome. You get the findings, you get the uh, settlements, uh, and then you get a whole chapter about how these people lived without uh, kings and queens and anyone was <laughs> working uh, for the greater good. You get these in footnotes and things like this. So yeah, they have these ideology focused things in it but um, right now we're getting things like this uh, again for example there was a big uh, I think was it a colloquium uh, conference or something like this about um, the Slavs in Europe Uh, and it was mostly paid from uh, the EU um, and it was uh, the greater picture they would like to paint was um, all these countries uh, were one connected thing, like the European Union now in the past. So you have uh, trading with uh, the Slavic uh, people. Um, you have uh, yeah, pretty much connections. You have a connected Europe. You have uh, people who travel from uh, places to places. Um, and all these things we get right now. So um, it's only a different type of ide- uh, ideology that is written there. I don't know if I could make myself clear. <laughs> No, no, I completely understand. Uh, so it's basically almost like they're projecting the present onto the past, in a way, aren't they? They're kind of saying, ah, therefore, you know, it's always been like that. That's why Europe is so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have also older uh, examples from uh, the Third Reich, um, where uh, archaeology... Okay, that's thir- 30 helped. minutes yeah. in. 30 minutes yeah, in. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> it took minutes. us 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> 
their uh, archaeology was used to um, deploy demands uh, on land, like mm. uh, in the East End. Yeah. So, yeah, we always have this. I mean, I like to describe this show and myself as a little tiny bit Marxist because... Um, in in more of a in a very weird kind of way, you know. To me, there is a institution of history that people kind of say, "Oh, it's in the past, therefore it happened, and it's important." And you know, oh, people in the past did this, therefore we should, res-, you know, like th- there's almost this like uh, inflation of this, you know, authority of the past. And I want to take that down. I want to make the past, you know, for everyone and by everyone. So I'm really interested in, for example, not really Marxist readings of the past, but making archaeology for everyone. I mean, we're seeing this with stuff like open access. I mean, do you make, will you be interested in making your kind of digital uh, digitizations of the past? Will you be interested in giving them, like making them available for other people to see? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I uh, would pretty much like that. Uh, I would m- enjoy more to get paid for this, but um, when you, um, I'm writing this blog, um, and I publish there um, sometimes um, some of the models. But um, when I will finish my master's thesis, I would like to try um, to upload all the um, <laughs> all the data to some device. I don't know, maybe ResearchGate or some OpenHS uh, community to store it there. Maybe the Internet Archive. Or something like this, so everyone can um, use the photos again um, and make use them again with uh, new programs, better algorithms, and things like this. Because I think there's uh, plenty of more information in these pictures. So yeah, we have to make archaeology um, open to everyone. Uh, there's no use in um, making big books that people have to uh, that people have to buy for hundreds and hundreds of euros. Um, so. The more we can publish for everyone, it's easier to um, establish an archaeology thinking. And maybe it's getting better on the site then. Yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, when you're talking about 3D objects and when you've digitized these things. I mean, is there an easy way for people to kind of get the 3D file and and view it? I mean, is there an easy way? Like, what kind of formats are 3D objects? Um, from a technical, <laughs> from a technical standpoint, um, when you only have uh, the point cloud, um, the uh, yeah, the points in uh, space, uh, you have an ASCII file. So there's only coordinates and um, a color for every point. So it's only text. But um, to make it viewable, you have to use like you can implement 3D models uh, in PDFs, for example. Many people know how to use. Th- them. Yep. Um, you can uh, show them online using um, Java and um, HTML, uh, HTML5. That's a uh, pretty easy way um, and pretty fast for also viewing very big models like um, Sketchfab, the uh, one place I put my models in right now. But you um, can write your own uh, Java application to make your models viewable. Uh, you can get them as an object file. You can put them in uh, game engines. Uh, there are plenty of free game engines right now and explore them. Actually, uh, game, video games and archaeology has come up quite a few times on this show. Maybe because uh, maybe because I'm a bit of a gamer. Maybe that is. Yeah. Maybe I secretly just want to be a video game archaeologist. Uh, but we've talked about, you know, recreating the past you know, uh, in video games and the inherent problems and struggles there are in that. But it would be quite interesting, though, 
if you had, you know, you took models that you recreated models and just stuck them, you know, in a, in a game world, that would yeah. be kind of cool. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine like um, like um, one of those game engines where you log into a server and it shows a site, and as the site gets added to, the game world gets updated more and more. That would be really interesting. I'm planning it. No, no. There are <laughs> several tries. There are uh, several virtual museums uh, that you can go through um, in the internet. Um, there's also a, v- a virtual museum uh, in Second Life, I think. Uh, these try to make the internet in 3D. So Second Life is still alive. Uh, but but there is a big danger in it because um, when you um, reconstruct things uh, or uh, you publish models of um, things, there is... Um, Okay, let me start again. When you um, give someone a beautiful uh, colored picture of something like uh, <clears throat> uh, like a Germanic uh, village or something like this, he will remember this and he always will think this is how it looked and it's for sure uh, and he will never forget this. And after you um, established this picture once, um, you can't take it back. And it's pretty difficult to change these views. Um, and it's, uh, that's the great difficulty uh, in 3D models in archaeology because they are easy to make, uh, um, they are fast to make, even reconstructions. But um, when you do make them, you have to be very careful <laughs> because after that, you can't change them. Yeah. The people will never forget them. Um, and Vikings with horns, for example. Oh, yeah, of course. But, uh, Vikings with horns. Actually, uh, you know, to be absolutely fair, nobody knows anything about the Vikings now because everybody at once thought, oh, they're Viking raiders. No, they're nice farmers. No, they're Viking raiders. And it it has gone a bit of a circle, you know, because I don't think people can handle, uh, I don't know, it just seems as if there's a complexity to the Vikings, which is really interesting, but it never seems to be communicated properly. And communicating in archaeology, that's my thing. That's what I like doing. Yeah, and it works fine. <laughs> I really like to hear your podcast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, thank you. Can't uh, stop at you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you're completely right. And But then isn't it better to create unfinished uh, archaeological s- artifacts? You know, like, artifacts as they are digitized rather than completely reconstructed. I mean... From your blog, I can see that you've done several um, 3D models that are exactly as the artifact is, rather than a full reconstruction. I'll link in uh, the text below, but I'm just interested, um, what do you think? Do you prefer doing reconstructions, or do you like just mapping out what you've got in front of you? Reconstruction is awesome, and it's uh, it's a great fun to do it. Um, there's um, this house I reconstructed there, um, and you have to think about many things uh, that have to be for this house you um, have to think how is the wood connected um, what is aesthetically uh, possible um, how do we get light in there uh, what about the smoke from fires and things like this you um, pretty much rethink uh, this house again um, and then you find a solution or maybe a thing that you like uh, but it's constructed history it's uh, not a real image but people who see this uh, reconstruction will think yeah it's the real image um, but I think we have to reconstruct things because people don't like to they don't like to see uh, the things um, singular so maybe you have a collection of finds you present the people and say yeah these are the stuff they used in this village uh, the first question will be how lo- does uh, the village look how 
uh, that the houses look, what uh, clothes, what color of clothes uh, were the people wearing, um, and you have to answer that questions because otherwise uh, the people won't listen long enough. So it will stay difficult, very difficult. I'm just wondering, um, how do you, when you're doing reconstructions, convey the fact that they are created, like by you, and they're interpreted by, interpreted by you? How do you get that message across? Mostly um, with uh, don't rendering them uh, photorealistic or something like this, <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> Um, so, no, I don't have an answer to this. You can uh, write down on it. It's only a hypothetical reconstruction, but people don't reach text in images. <laughs> because I've had this I've had this thing, actually going back to video games, is I've always said Assassin's Creed has done it well because obviously Assassin's Creed is, the idea is that, you know, these virtualization is made from memory. Right, and you've got the three tiers. You've got uh, the person in the past. You've got the player, and between them is Desmond. And so you've uh, so what happens is occasionally there are places that you can't go, and you know you can see these graphical artifacts of places that are not properly reconstructed, and you're always reminded that this is a created world. And I think that's that's kind of cool. I don't know if you've played Assassin's Creed. Uh, I've played several parts of Assassin's Creed and I must say um, the reconstruction of Rome in Brotherhood, I think, was pretty awesome but um, these um, artifacts were not enough because uh, they constructed uh, whole uh, quarters of the city and there's no artifact, nothing that reminds you that you are playing a game, uh, for example and um, the some of the smaller buildings are totally generic um, but uh, this image of Rome is planted. That would be Rome. Uh, it's a pretty good image. Uh, they get the structure of the walls right. They um, got pretty much everything without, uh, yeah, maybe not the graffiti uh, and things like this. But, uh, yeah, I think when I don't have played uh, the actual uh, Assassin's Creed, it's about Paris. And I think uh, they, everyone is telling you, yeah, it's the greatest historical image from Paris ever, but um, it's also filled with things no one can know, um, but all people know, yeah, you know how Paris looks, look at Assassin's Creed, we don't have to dig anymore, we know there was a building, things like that. Maybe in 10 years we have these discussions with uh, people at the museum. Yeah. I mean, that, that for me is, like, that annoys me because obviously that's not the point. You know, Assassin's Creed, the whole point is is a game and we have to keep thinking yeah. it is a game. And that's, that's oh, this is the thing, you know, it's it's a game, it's made, it's, it's you're, you're being told it's made. That's the, what I love about archaeology and video games is because you know instinctively you're playing a game that was specifically created. It was made by somebody. Somebody said, we're making this street here, we're making that street here, we're we're you know making this texture for this that's what's great about video games because you have that mindset and it is really annoying when people like that's what Assassin's Creed the first was Assassin's Creed was so good because it kept reminding you it kept bringing you out of the illusion and then putting you back in and uh, like this is what annoys me about Assassin's Creed 2 and the other ones is that you don't step out of the past created world enough and this is yeah this is one of those things about digital archaeology that we have to always remind people that they are seeing a created past so i think i think what we need to do is we need to 
you know, shock people. We need to make reconstructions that, like, um, you, maybe maybe a reconstruction that kind of scares people, you know? I, I want to see, like, uh, for example, you know, you have, say you have in a digital reconstruction, you have the 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 present day image you know it it builds up then into a wonderful reconstruction of the past and then falls down again it says no this is just one this is just one way that it could have been you know i i think we should really really try and fight against the idea that the past just happened and it can just be summed up in one image we have to fight fight and you know viva la yeah. revolution and all that yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry I, I get a bit excited mm. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't establish uh, things that shock people. Um, for example, uh, the um, the roof of houses made of uh, hay uh, or something like this. Um, they have to be pretty much uh, more sharper. It's um, more like uh, these Swedish houses that have very, uh, yeah, spitz, very uh, narrow. Yeah, never mind. Um, they have a totally different... Um, construction because uh, they get wet otherwise but you can't establish a thing like this because all people say uh that that looks wrong because they know how these houses have to look uh yeah you can fight but i don't think you will ever win this fight because people will remember things uh in their subconsciousness even better <laughs> so Damn subconsciousness we need to destroy subconsciousness <laughs> that's what my next va uh, valiant attempt <laughs> <laughs> but i think archaeology isn't just you know it's not just about you know talking about the past it is very much about in the present as well and you know the way we think about the past is very much how we deal with things for the future you know i've always said that you know you know the past is created in the present for the future and therefore our greatest knowledge of the past is in the future so therefore in the present we have to prepare ourselves for the future of the past you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would totally agree to that. <laughs> despite uh, despite my uh, ramblings about... Uh, yeah, I like saying that, though. It, make, it confuses people. I like that. <laughs> because, as you said, you know, people have an idea of what archaeology is, what the past is, and I think we should, you know, try a little bit better to confuse people a little bit and say, well, you know, and not confuse people in a kind of like, oh, uh, you don't know what I'm thinking. It's more of a kind of like saying, you have these preconceived notions and prejudices, but I'm not going to conform to those, and I'm going to go and do something different. I say, wearing a jumper that is really unfashionable, and, you know... Yeah, what? I'm wearing every time an overall on the... See? There's an archaeological fashion, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> Archaeologists love to say, "Oh yes, no, of course. Uh, we just uh, we like uh, thinking beyond things." And then suddenly, everybody archaeologists dresses the same, you know. Oh dear, do archaeologists dress um, badly in Germany as well? I think it comes with uh, the profession. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> totally normal. But I'd like to dress <laughs> like this. Um, yeah. Exactly. Do archaeologists in Germany have beards? Like all the male archaeologists have beards, or is that just a UK thing? Um, think yeah. about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, okay. I have a little bit, a uh, little bit beard, but uh, no, not everyone. No, just just checking because I, I think it's I think it's very widespread over here. <laughs> I'm not making generalizations. Uh, what? What's that? Not from that. <laughs>
But do you think? Uh, what do you think about the future of archaeology? We we gonna we gonna make it? We're gonna survive all these trials and tribulations. What do you think we're gonna? What are we gonna achieve? Um, I think archaeology will always uh, be a part of uh, the normal sciences, and we always uh, will get underpaid jobs at archaeology. But um, yeah, I think people, despite they uh, don't like us, when they dig, uh, when we dig. Um, at their houses, uh, they pretty much enjoy museums and um, documentations on the TV uh, more and more, and they like to experience these um, 3D things on the internet. They like the reconstructed images. Archaeology will stay, but um, have to evolve, had to um, become better communicated uh, to more and more people, uh, and the hypothetical part of archaeology had to become more, yeah, for the common citizen. They have to understand that we only construct images of the past that could be, but not uh, the exact past. And I think this is uh, the most difficult thing. Is there any way we can do it easily, or is it going to be just an uphill struggle? Easy way, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's never an easy way in archaeology, is there? Never an easy way. Um, With um, all the uh, new ways to... um, inform people uh, the whole internet structure and um, the dying of the te- normal television shows um, I think it, it will become more easy to communicate um, history and archaeology to people who are already interested and these people will interest other people who didn't interest were interested in it before mm-hmm. so um, yeah it's the crowd will do their thing and um, it's a little bit like a snowball system and we have to keep on moving with this and then maybe in the near future archaeology will become a very famous part in our lives exactly and that's what we look forward to thank you very very much mr yagaman 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 (laughs) i think yeah (laughs) yagaman oh thank you miss uh thank you ike um is it ike or ick or where i've not actually come across that Ike, there we go. It's a really cool name, I must say. <laughs> My huh? mother had humor there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you very, very much for being on the show, and uh, hopefully we will hear from you again. If people want to find you on the internet, where do they go? Uh, they can follow my Twitter. It's um, prehist3d. Um, or visit my blog that you will link below, I think. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. And that's it for today's show. Remember, you can check out all the other wonderful shows on the Archaeology Podcast Network. Stay tuned for more. See you in a fortnight's time. Auf Wiedersehen! Auf Wiedersehen! This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. 